When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from the Block M Podcast Network, part of the Fan First Sports Network, a podcast that lashes together some loose facts, a little bit of Sumerian wisdom, and weaves you a tale of love and loss in an age of indecency. I am Jared Stormer of Mazenbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of Mazenbrew.com. Andy, sworn brother of the Night's Watch. How the hell are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. It's been a good weekend. How are you? I'm doing well. Another great weekend of football. I would say uh, it was a little like underrated given what we were expecting coming into it. Week four was supposed to be the big delivery and week five, I would say, had some good stuff. So excited to talk some football with you. We've got some quick hits that we need to touch on, though, starting with a little bit of hockey news. I pass it to you, sir. Yes. Uh, so Michigan officially or unofficially opened up with an exhibition game against Simon Frazier, those trespassers from Canada. And Michigan dominated eight to one. It was a glorious game. Seamus Casey tallied four points, uh, one goal, uh, three apples. Rutger McGordy had a couple goals. Michigan really dominated, only really relented a point like late in the game. So it's everything you want to see. And now they 
open up the season this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday's game is on Big Ten Network actually at 4 o'clock against Providence, who is kind of a fringe-ranked team right now, right around the 19 to 20 range. They only rank top 20 in uh, college hockey. So something to tune into, man. We're back. Yeah, and uh, good of the the students of Simon Fraser to come down in between classes on how to skin a mink and uh, how to set a, a trap. What is it? A deadfall trap. Um, <laughs> so good on them for coming down to Ann Arbor and, and getting washed eight to one. Excited to watch this season, though. Um, yeah, I mean, McGrory, we got uh, brother Seamus still on the team. That's who I'll be tuning in for. I'm excited, man, once yeah. things really start to get ramped up there. It's going to be a fun year, man. Frankie Nazar's back, Gavin Brindley, Ethan Edwards, Jacob Truscott's healthy, uh, got some goaltending issues solved, some key transfers. Tyler Duke is going to be a fan favorite, brother of Dylan Duke. He joined over from Ohio State. Uh, very gritty, just kind of like nasty defenseman that you need to win games. I think he's going to do a lot for the blue line. Uh, lots to replace, obviously, losing Luke, Luke Hughes, Fantilli, Mackie Samuskevich. Uh, Eric Portillo, a lot of key pieces there, but I really think this team is going to surprise some people this year and make another push for the Frozen Four, man. I can't wait. Looking forward to it. And they have a goalie coach this year as opposed <laughs> Big to win. last year. Big win there. Kind of important. Just imagine playing offense with no offensive coordinator. Wouldn't dream of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, excited for that, man. Um, Detroit Pistons had their media day today. Isaiah Livers, former Wolverine, expected to be a big part of that. Uh, injured for the first six to eight weeks of the season. I believe it's a calf injury. Unfortunate, just a guy that we've really expected to be a part of this Pistons young core. When he's been on the court, he's been really effective and looks like that kind of stretch three, stretch four that you really need and fits into the modern NBA blueprint, but just can't stay healthy here. So really hoping that he's able to get back and be a part of this team. Uh, Cause if not, there's, there's definitely danger of him being surpassed on the roster. Yeah, man. It's so frustrating because we saw this with his, like the way his tenure ended at Michigan just kind of ended just unceremoniously with an injury, missed the rest of the year. And it's like, he has the shot. He has everything he needs. It's just, it's just health, man. And if you don't have availability, you don't have anything. Yep. The biggest ability is availability. So hoping Isaiah Livers can be back and be a part of this Pistons team because it's so nice having Hutchinson on the Detroit Lions. So just having a Michigan guy that you can yes. root for on your pro team. I recommend everyone has it, whatever your pro team might be. Uh, need to get some Wolverines on the base on the Tigers, too, with how many Wolverines there are floating around the MLB. That would be delightful. Have a couple for the Red Wings, but uh, there's also a ton of Wolverine hockey players floating out there. Um, speaking of professional sports, got to touch on the Detroit Lions real quick because they played on Thursday. Uh, just a wonderful, absolutely delightful division win over the Green Bay Packers. This uh, was joyous to behold. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson to keep things Michigan centric, currently tied with Max Crosby and Micah Parsons with 27 pressures to lead the league. Uh, also, this Detroit Lions defense, which was, I believe, 31st against the run, currently third in the country against the run after, I would say, you know, a nice chunk of the schedule here against some real opponents. So I would say that this is data you can buy into. Incredible turnaround, fun team to watch. I give the mic to you, sir the Detroit Lions let's go America's team we are so back like it was my favorite part of the whole weekend aside from the win was after the game when you looked up in Lambeau and it was just blue it was Honolulu blue everywhere it looked like Ford Field it was incredible and it seems like this team is really living up to all of these super high expectations coming into the season and there's just a tidal wave of momentum pushing them right now like hopefully towards the playoffs like 
you, you want to say that definitively being Lions fans were a little more cautious and reserved because, I mean, the body has more burned, more, more scars and burns than anyone can imagine. So it's like everything is trending that direction. And like David Montgomery looks good. Jamo's coming back to the lineup. Hutch is playing like an all pro. There's just so many pieces lining up here. And just anytime somebody goes down, somebody else steps up. Like it feels cohesive. It feels together. And it just feels like all of Detroit coming at you every week. Never give hope to someone that's been in a chemical fire. Those are words to live by there. Absolutely. You touched on a lot of good stuff there. Jamison Williams coming back two games early. The uh, suspension rules have been changed. So had those rules have been in place, we would have only been missing him for the first two games of the season. Those rules, that suspension always seemed a little bit egregious when you're sponsored by FanDuel and every other commercial for the NFL now is about gambling. So it's good to see him back. Uh, whatever, you know, we missed him for a couple extra games, but we didn't need him. Wouldn't have had him back for that Seattle game regardless. So no harm, no foul. Excited to see Jamison rejoin this offense. Uh, Got to give some props to you on Brian Branch on defense. You compared him to Rod Moore. You were like, this was a guy you were all in on. Uh, we used to uh, rewatch like a lot of tape. I did not watch the amount of tape that we used to in like 2017, 2018. I remember in like 2017, 2018, we were doing the the uh, NFL draft and I was 10 minutes into Garrett Bowles tape. And I started to like openly weep. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So I don't watch <laughs> tape like <laughs> I don't watch tape like that anymore. But Brian Branch is a guy that I mean, certainly watched at Alabama. But man, were you right on him? He's a dude for the Lions. I just really value safeties that do everything well. Like a lot of people get caught up in like the ball hawking potential or what they could be, but it's like Brian Branch was a sure thing. Like he was very physical in the run game. He was durable. He was great in coverage. He could play inside. He could play outside, middle of the field, whatever you needed. Like that's why I comped him to Rod Moore. I still think Rod Moore has that ceiling. We'll get into that, uh, more of that later, but man, Brian Branch has been everything and then some, and he's not the only draftee to do that. Sam Laporta. Talk about working out for the best of getting rid of Hawkinson and getting Laporta. My God, rookie tight ends never perform this well. What is happening? Also as a blocker too, which yeah. you know excites me. Laporta is a much better blocker than Hawkinson already. So, I mean, or at least more willing. I mean, Hawkinson just didn't really want to commit to that as much yeah. as Laporta seems like he relishes contact, relishes yep. going out there and getting a good block. So love the way he plays this dude. Like they're already comparing him to Kittle, not just because of the Iowa thing, but the way he plays like, Oh boy, might have to start adjusting a little bit because uh, I'm pretty pumped about Laporta, pumped about Branch. I'm also going to go ahead and reverse my position on the Jameer Gibbs thing, not because like my original point about taking a running back that early in the draft was wrong, because of the idiots that are like, well, my fantasy team, you said that he'd be getting all these touches. I don't want to be associated with those idiots, so I'm reversing my position. Take whoever you want at this point. Um brad holmes like you're, you're the dude so whatever you want to do I i'm there with you um i'd like to see gibbs get more touches but it's early in the season my guess would be they have a plan and you'll see more uh, touches as the season goes along jared is never one to mix company with idiots like if people are going to learn one <laughs> thing about you you do not mix company with idiots you'll go the other way and I yeah will. man it's so annoying like I, was, I got asked that a bunch this week and i was out of town for a wedding like what's going on with uh jameer gibbs i'm like it's going to be fine, guys. Like, this is kind of a, how a lot of rookies get introduced to the NFL. Like, it's a long season. You don't want to put too much tread on the tires. Like, we're going to need him. Like, let's take a breath. It's week five. I do not care about your fantasy team. I feel like an NFL player. Like, I can only imagine getting asked that all the time in the streets. If we were, like, in the NFL, like, what are you doing for my team, bro? It's like, what? what is this? What is this, what is this world? It's so dumb. Not talking about the game. Not a game. Not practice. <laughs> A fantasy football team. 
Like, like I, we both love fantasy. We're in several leagues, but come on. Like, this is like way more important. It's like you getting mad about like, our, we're in a college fantasy league together. If you're being like, oh God, JJ, you know, stop throwing any more touchdowns. What is this? No, you're like, we're winning games. I love this. I'm having so much yeah. fun. I don't care. I, I'll <laughs> just, uh, I'll just move him to the bench for Ken Quinn Ewers yeah. or whatever, whatever yeah. I got going on on that fantasy team. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, glad that we could hash that out there. Uh, last Detroit lions thing before we get into the meat of this, which is of course, Michigan football, remove your bias. How many defensive ends would you take over Aiden Hutchinson right now? And I'm, when I say remove the bias, do your best to remove. There's your not bias. 10. There's not, there's definitely not 10. Let's, let's do this real quick. TJ so, Watt. TJ Watt, um, Miles Bosa. Garrett, Bosa, Miles Garrett. Bosa, like oh, by a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Bosa, yeah, Nick Bosa's in there. Um, still got to take him. Are we, are we including Micah Parsons as an edge? Um, yeah. Okay. We'll say if we're just saying pass rusher, sure. Why not? Okay. Him then for uh, Aaron Donald, it's five. Okay. All right, we're getting a little bit weird with it. It's yeah, getting a little conceptual, I mean, he, he, but still. He, he counts as a pass rusher if you look at the pressure numbers from right. defensive tech, sure. which is freakish. Um, so Maybe gonna, Max Crosby? Max Crosby. Um, if we're going to include tackles, the only other one I'd put in there would be Chris Jones from the mm-hmm. Kansas City Chiefs. Um, not a lot of de- pure defensive ends in this list. There's either. not a lot of defensive ends. If you take those out, it's like, are we going to, because like you could say Jalen Carter then, or it's like, are we going to talk about like Brandon Graham on the Eagles? But it's like, I'm not going to do that because Brandon Graham is on his way out while Hutch is a second year right. player. So that wouldn't be off the top of my head, man, it's, it's hard to get to it's a short list. It's a short list. Yeah. And he's just climbing and climbing that list, which it's what we expected. You know, there was seemingly a ceiling put on him, like coming out of the draft, like he's really good, but he'll never get to that like next level and continues to get better. Like we have no idea what this I might've sent you a scathing like. text when I was mad this weekend about that. <laughs> I think you did. And yeah. uh, I wanted to make sure that that got some run here because you're not wrong. But it was true because I me, mean, everyone's like, well, Kayvon Thibodeau could do this. Trayvon Walker's a freak athlete. And it's like Hutchinson. It's like, this is as good as he's going to be. And it's like, is it? Is it? Right. You're sure about that? You're, you're sure, sure about, that? about that? I'm with you, brother. Uh, one last little thing here um, before we get into Michigan. A half-baked idea, if, if I may throw this at you. So we do the rosters coming into the NFL games, right? And everyone likes the rosters where they're just like, you know, Quiddy Pay, University of Michigan. You know, everybody likes those. Why don't we do more of those? Like, I forget who's on the field. We're rotating guys in. Let's do second half intros again. And instead of saying where they're from, just give me a little something about you. Like uh, Dalvin Cook likes reciting passages from uh, Homer's The Iliad. Uh, Quiddy Pay telling me his favorite Hank Williams song. I'm in. Wow. It's like uh, the Little League World Series and it gives like a fun fact about them and it's always yeah. something cool. Like you, just give me a graphic even. Like give me a graphic of something cool about you. Like great singer, you know, hangs out in quartets. I don't know. Give me anything like that. I'm fine with it. I love this idea. Yeah. Junior Colson, afraid of bumper cars. Like what? <laughs> All right. Kenneth Grant, eat smaller humans. <laughs> this is what I want. Yeah, have you so guys seen Iman Dennis? No. Kenny G ate him. Where do you think he is? Think that's a coincidence? It's not. Also, one of my favorite Kenneth Grant things before we get all the way into Michigan is the fact that, like, everyone calls him KG. Um, was it Mikey Sanders still called him Bowser? And then when he was on Jansen's pod, he called himself Kenny G. And apparently nobody else does. It's just like a him thing. It's like so this guy's got three awesome nicknames just floating around him. And he just, like, self-proclaimed himself as Kenny G, which I just love and support. 
Yeah, I, I wonder if he knows the backstory of who a lot of the older folks think of Kenny G as, which was like the, the long-haired saxophone crooner from the late 90s. Like, it's a deep cut. It's, it's a, he knows that. I mean, I think I like Kenneth Grant even more. He might be my favorite player now. Like, what a pull. <laughs> He's already rising on the list. Yeah, I can tell you that much for sure. But yeah, we'll have to do some work on the official nickname. I really like Bowser. I'm totally in on that. Like Bowser really fits. Just looks like a Bowser, plays like a Bowser. I'm yeah. into it. Yeah. It's per like it's like when they called him that. I said it to you, I'm like, I have no notes on this one. Yeah. No notes. No notes. Flawless nickname. <laughs> Might have to stick with that. But let's get into Michigan, shall we? 45 to 7 on the road over Nebraska. We were so close the on most... our predictions, too. We were so we, close. We sure were. Almost had the shutout. Um, I don't want to talk about that yet, but we will talk about how annoying that touchdown was. But let's talk about all of the great things that happened in this game. This was the most complete victory, uh, giving my 30,000 foot view, coming off the heels of the most complete victory up to that point so that suggests to me a pattern a trend if you will of Michigan really getting going getting ramped up the offense trending in the right direction the defense remains just as stout as you'll ever see at the University of Michigan and this was the number one rush defense in the country that we were going up against and quickly proved to be a fool's errand for this team um, I've got nothing but great things to say about this one man let's get into it excited to go wherever you want on this yeah, man, let's uh, let's start on the offense. Um, but yeah, thirty thousand foot view, um, no penalties in this game. Like, I mean, and just like right on the precipice of being the first team to shut out Nebraska at home for the first time since '66. It is the first time since 1933 that Michigan held its first five opponents to seven points or less. So, I mean, prohibition had yet to be repealed. FDR just got into office. Like things were different back then. And it's just, this streak is unbelievable. The starting defense has still not relented a touchdown yet through five games. It's almost half the season. Insane. Yeah. Anything back from when Ro uh, from FDR was still skipping through the halls of the White yeah, House? Walking. <laughs> walking to his first inauguration. We're going way back here. Not even rolling. Uh, <laughs> let's start with the, let's start with the offense and who popped the most. I would have to say that this is the Roman Wilson coming out party for those that weren't aware of who Roman Wilson was, you know, now he certainly made himself known throughout the first couple of games of the season with a ridiculous pace of touchdowns, but then he had a ridiculous touchdown. The first touchdown of this game was didn't really make sense. It reminds me of that Stanford over the back catch from a few years ago or the David Tyree helmet catch yep. from the Super Bowl is one that I heard at comp to uh, inhuman performance. And then he had a second one later on in this game currently leads the nation with eight touchdowns. I don't really have enough to say about Roman Wilson. We thought he'd have a breakout year. This is above what I thought it'd be. I have so many things to follow up with one. You've only texted me two times ever and just said, Andrew, like just my full <laughs> name. It was Michigan, Ohio State 2021. And then it was this yeah. catch. It was just Andrew. I was like, I, I don't know what I just saw. Uh, the wind completely stole that ball. It did not matter. Roman Wilson went and made a play, pulled it down, secured it. Now I have a question for you. So he has, mm -hmm. he has eight touchdowns through five games. Only three receivers in the CFP era have ever had 20. Can Roman Wilson get to 20? It's you would have to say no because of history and like the Michigan team. We're going to get a little bit, you know, deeper into the season. The defenses will get tougher, but I would, I, I 
yes i think yes as much as history says there's no way like why would i go against that when he's on pace the the rapport with him and jj we could have been throwing it more like in tighter games there's more completions like this number yeah i was gonna say this number could be higher so yeah i'm gonna go with it it could get that ridiculous it's unlikely that it gets there but like that is in play yes yeah it's i mean because you think about so Corey coleman did it in 25th with uh, only 12 games. He was the only one that did it in 12 games. Jamar Chase did it in 14 games, got to 20. That's that's the kind of level he could be on. Jamar Chase that year. That's the number. Um, And then Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman, had 23 in like 13 games, I believe. So... That's but that's the realm he's on. Like eight touchdowns. He had eight career touchdowns entering this season. stupid like yeah we don't really have anything to compare this to at the wide receiver position you know we had the quorum run last year which he's also leading the nation in touchdowns by the way but it was a little bit more ridiculous early on last year because we had the five touchdown game where it's like he's way out ahead of the pack this is just un unforeseen territory for us at the wide receiver position and you can also couple in jj to this conversation with him being on pace to beat the michigan record uh, not the national records but to have roman wilson competing with all-time national records and to be mentioned amongst those receivers that you just mentioned unexpected incredible awesome ton of fun to watch like from the viewer's perspective how fun has this been how easy does it look for him to like he looks so much faster than Smooth. everybody else out there. It's very effortless. Like that's what stands out to me. It's like, that's what great players look like in these games. And it just looks like he's out there walking the park, two touchdowns, like it's nothing. And it's like, it's often still isn't operating at full tilt. Like again, not playing in fourth quarters yet. Like, what is this? Yeah. I mean, what, let's keep going on this. When do we start talking about the Blitnikoff? Probably now yeah. or last week we probably yeah. should have started, to be it's honest. Eight touchdowns. It starts now. Like you want to see those yards tick up, but it's like the touchdown production is unbelievable, especially for a team that's still theoretically run first, but like he's firmly in the Blitnikoff discussion right now. Has to be. It's almost more impressive to get two touchdowns on what was it like six receptions yeah. for 58 yards or something like that. Yeah. Like two of your catches are for touchdowns. I don't even know if it was six. I think it was less than that. I got it right here. It was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got it right here, actually. Um, and it's in the dock. It's four, four. receptions, 58 four. yards. Yeah. What? Half, what? Of his, half of his catches go for touchdowns. That's unbelievable. Like, it is It is such an absurd pace. But um, the player who popped for me, just to be a little different, talk about somebody else, Ladarius Henderson. First career start at left tackle. Um, off, again, no penalties in this game, even on the offensive line with this new five out there together. This is Michigan's five. Like you and I talked about this. Like this is what they were working towards. It takes time to gel. It takes time to find out what the strengths and weaknesses are of the new group. There's still a couple communication issues that need to be sorted out. But like this is what it's going to look like. And they're just going to get better from here. In years past, it was always around this time. They really started to put their foot on the gas. Trevor Keegan talked about that in the post game. Like this is when the offensive line starts marching towards the Joe Moore award because like, it just it just takes time. Like it's all it is. No, no one likes to hear that. But like this is the performance that leads that way. You go up against the number one rushing defense and you put on a performance like this so easily. Like this is how you like get a lead in the Joe Moore Award again. I agree with you. I loved Henderson's performance. I love the tackles performance in general. I picked them to control the game or to have a bounce back game. The whole offensive line was great in this one, but the tackles seeing them have their best game. Great time to see that. I agree that we have our five moving forward. Uh, Let's keep going down the categories here. We're, uh, 
running a little behind on this, but the John Runyon Jr. Award for Quiet Excellence. I got to give this to Drake Nugent, who's been quietly excellent every single game. And uh, when we have no false start penalties, no penalties at all on the offense, uh, we are the second least penalized team in the nation behind Army. And they literally have like drills. And you, can go to pris- <laughs> you can go to prison if you're not like disciplined there. So pretty good. Pretty good to be only behind Army there as far as penalties. And Drake Nugent just being a stalwart at center quiet excellence award for me and one thing we overlooked leading into this game was you know it's a 3-3-5 defense which michigan last faced from like a power five team was tcu and all that movement with the linebackers gave us so much fits with run through linebackers not a problem at all in this one jj took two hits like there's still a few things there but like manhandled them like passed them off did everything correctly and it starts with the center because in michigan the center calls out protections not the quarterback jj can trump him but it's up to nugent to first to set it so Tremendous job by him. I love that. I'm going to stick similarly to the line. This is one of the best games for the tight ends all season. Like, it's not going to show up in the box score, but uh, Max Bredesen and Colston Loveland especially were unbelievable in uh, blocking. Like, I mean, just outrageously good. Like, you watch all these plays where they're crashing down. They're like extra tackles out there, how well they're blocking. And, like, Bredesen's primarily been used as the fullback. So he's been getting a lot more of this, but Loveland looks so strong on the end of the line of scrimmage. Like you watch this game again, he's just manhandling people and moving them around. And I love to see it. I love he's not taking too many hits yet. Like just tight ends, man, full service tight ends in Michigan. I love it. That's a great call out too, because you might look around and I mean, that's the next category here, the Ian Bunting milk carton award. Who did you want to see more of? You might look at this and say Colston Loveland didn't have a big game catching the ball. Nobody really did in this game, to be honest, other than Roman Wilson with the two touchdowns. But, I mean, this was JJ only had 156 yards past 12 completions. And, <laughs> yeah, there's only 12 completions in this. So you're not going to have huge numbers from anybody didn't need it. So no. there will be a game where you need Colston Loveland to be a pass catcher and I think you'll see that big 80-yard-plus touchdown game. It is coming eventually. The stats are a little bit below where we thought they would be, but I can't even really have him as a no-show because, like you mentioned, awesome in the blocking game there. So um, I would, I'll would i go with for the no-show. I'll go Benjamin Hall. Yeah, it's Maybe like, thought we'd see him. It's so hard. Like, it's somebody like that, a freshman. Maybe Tyler Morris he thought there would be some more there. Yeah. Um, just it's very nitpicky. I had a really hard time with this category this week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The people you expect to see are there. That's fine. Don't necessarily have to have one there. Uh, Let's go with the final courtroom scene in a few good men award for best drive. And yes, I know that I change the category title every week. It's part of the bit. (laughs) These are the jokes, people. I'm going to, I'm going to go completely off the rails here. Cause I know what the, the answer here is one of the two Roman drives. Like I just right. think it's pretty resolute. Or if you want to be like a little cooler, go with the Kaleo Mullings drive. That was pretty awesome as well. Um, I'm going with Jaden Denigal's first career passing touchdown to Peyton O'Leary. Cause for a couple reasons, one, my Peyton O'Leary agenda is sitting up like the undertaker on like a, a long two count for some more. And also like it showed the second team, like, Finally getting there some rhythm, go. like the reserves getting moving a little bit. Denigal showing some flash, some flair out there, some presence in the pocket. Love seeing O'Leary finally healthy, getting a cool little moment here to perhaps build some more momentum for the rest of the season. I love that drive by the backups. I uh, love that. That's a great call out there. And I want to touch on that a little bit more for my next award. But for my uh, final courtroom scene and a few good men award for best drive, I'm going to go with the second JJ to Roman touchdown because the That's first one, like nice. you, the, you mentioned, the wind got a hold of that and yeah. like 
really probably shouldn't have been caught, but Roman Wilson is otherworldly. The second one, there's nothing you can do as a defender on this earth to stop that touchdown. There's just nothing. It's like, one of the best the throws that, I've seen in college football. He was on a full sprint out left, which like you see Caleb Williams do quite a bit and like that and Mahomes, but like the list of guys that can do that and what make it you look just like said that. the Heisman winner and projected number one pick and the two time MVP and Super Bowl champion. Like that, those are the guys that can do it on that level with that <laughs> level of Christmas. Like that was an absolute dot, dot to Roman Wilson. There's no way to stop that. If he's doing that, like we're going to win the natty. Like if he's doing <laughs> that all year, like you just can't stop that. It's just unbelievable body control, precision, everything about, like you said, he's in full sprint. He is flying to the sideline and just a perfect throw. I mean, there's nothing you can do to defend that. That was, un that was an unbelievable throw. Like, he threw it so hard. I thought he was like throwing it away. And then all of a sudden, Roman Wilson's there, soft-handed touchdown. It's like, oh, I guess we're doing that now. <laughs> Yeah, forget adjusting the britches. At that point, the britches came off. Like, and I'm watching with my cousins and my family. Like, what's going on? I'm like, nope, just ignore it. Swinging them around your head, your shirt's Swinging off around already. my head like a madman, like Petey Pablo in 2003. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. that was yeah, that was incredible. <laughs> yeah, um, and then my uh, Dakota Fanning and Man on Fire award for youngster who really showed me something goes to Jaden Denegal. There, have to agree with you there. That was awesome. Jaden Denegal enters his name into a conversation that may sneakily still be happening about the backup quarterback and who we would actually go to if that were to come up and we don't practice being effed, yeah. uh, like you said, you know, so well and, and quoting that a couple weeks ago. But I do think secretly that's still happening amongst the coaches in the background is like, well, who would we go with here? Because Denegal undeniably does give you a higher ceiling than somebody like Jack Tuttle. But Jack Tuttle, I think probably a little bit more measured and in command, I would imagine. So it's uh, where, where do you stand with this? Is that conversation still happening behind closed doors? It could be. I think it's Tuttle pretty firmly, though, because of the experience, the savvy out there. You put him with the first team or see what he can do. He's actually a better runner than Denegal. Denegal took off once, and he is kind of like very slow. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, he's not, you know, he's not breaking any land speed records out there, but uh, you love what you see. You love seeing the progression from him. You know, like you didn't see that a few weeks ago against Bowling Green or when uh, he got time earlier. Like you just didn't see like the poise in the pocket. Like he looked a lot better. So I love to see that. I'm going to go with um, Darius Clemens here though. Getting a catch yeah. early, getting some nasty on some blocks. We just like talked about him the week before. So good to see him getting run. How many like potential third string, like, third wide receivers are entering the fray now, like Samaj Morgan, Tyler Morris, Darius Clemens, Peyton O'Leary. Like all these names are mixing it up now. Freddie Moore, Carmelo English, that's six right there. Like they're all getting valuable run this early in their career. Yeah, I was going to save this for the uh, wide receivers, Gray, but let's go ahead and have this discussion now. Has one of those guys separated where you're like, okay, that's the guy? Because Darius Clemens coming back in and, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot we had this dude. He looked like a guy and looked really solid in this one. Granted, extremely low, like there, there's not a ton of tape that we're going yeah. off of here, but in limited minutes looked really good. So now just add him to that list, like you said. I think Samaj Morgan's ahead right now just because of the back shoulder touchdown. But, like, I think everybody else is firmly in. Like, Tyler Morris, like, if JJ's a little sharper against Bowling Green, does he have one or two touchdowns in that and firmly have it? So, like, just so much potential there. And that's all we wanted to see from this room because you and I had talked about it several times off air. Like, once CJ and Roman leave, like, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, someone's got to catch passes. 
Yeah, well, I'm starting to feel a little less worried about that. Bring in a transfer and elevate this group. Yep. I think this is a this is a good looking group. All of a sudden, uh, Darius Clemens might have a small leg up on these guys being in the year in the system for an extra year. If he's willing to go out there and block and is just a little bit more advanced and understanding his assignments, he could really surge in this competition compared to what we've seen. You know, we've seen Samaj, we've seen Tyler Morris, but well, he Morris the same class. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. But we we didn't see much of Morris because he was injured, wasn't he? He, he no, he was healthy. He played a little bit like it last year because he because he Amarian Walker and Clemens all got in the game last year against Rutgers when we couldn't like complete an eight yard pass, and he made a play. And that's kind of how Clemens got behind him a little bit. But like to your point, Clemens has the physical advantages that these guys don't. Like Clemens is massive. Mm. Like that's what yeah. he could do. And if he's up to speed now, like the way he's attacking, blocking, and doing the little things, I think he's automatically right back in that race. Yeah, he's definitely back in the race. No yeah. question about that. Um, I could have swore Tyler Morris was injured last year. I do not remember him getting in and getting that snap, but he that's played, why yeah. you're the that's why you're the encyclopedia. Uh, <laughs> don't expect <laughs> me to remember things. All up here in the gray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, sir. Let's uh, get into the position groups. We can probably go pretty quick through this because we talked about everybody. Quarterback grades. I mean, 12 for uh, 12, four, 16 for a buck, 56, two touchdowns. One of them completely sailed due to the wind. Probably should have been 13 to 16. What, what is there to say? This is an A. He's the nation's leader in QBR, uh, equally effective with his legs. That run was so fluid and smooth, and he's so fast Oof. in the open field. Oh, and then he he thanks his he thanks his linemen. They get the oh, yeah. they get the mic in there. That was beautiful. It's it was so it was oh my god, it was awesome to see. Also, like uh DG brought this up this morning on Monday morning quarterback, like kissing his girl after the third quarter on the sideline. DG said, Oh, he is. Oh, he's the guy. He's the man. Yeah. Like, that is that dude just over there lounging with his girl, like just like, texting. Yeah. Like, he, he was champagne. Like, oh, he's the man. Like if your girl is down on the sideline to see you, like you're the man. Like JJ yeah. is in just full command of everything. That's what I want to see for my QB one. I want that kind of moxie on the sidelines. 110% couldn't agree more. I also love that he did the corn eating celebration, then yes. thanked his lineman, like in that order. I was like, this guy gets it. Just and then told Taylor Luan after the game, like, you know, technique wasn't as good. I need to work on it a little bit. Like, seems like such a great hang. That is my quarterback. Uh, the offensive line. This is going to be the first A I give of the season. It was not a perfect game, but I mean, the improvement, uh, the tackles finally getting settled there. I'm going to give it an A. Maybe it's an A minus. I don't know who the best offensive line in the country is right now, but because no one has separated Michigan firmly back in that mix, particularly with a song, a strong second half of the season, best offensive line performance of the season to this point. Yeah. Uh, uh, running away like this five is just going to get better. You can see the cohesiveness in this unit, what they did to one of the nation's best run defenses gave up two hits in the second half after Nebraska made some interesting adjustments with twists and stunts. You want to see that it goes get cleaned up. And they kind of did after the fact, but like, please like just, just don't let JJ get hurt. Like it's all, all I ask for in life Lord. So like, I'm sure they'll have more of that, but like against the front that moves so much with agile, good linebackers. Like this was a tremendous stepping stone performance for the rest of the year. 
Yeah, the one hit on him from that dude named Nash Hutmaker who fought a third of his town like some type of ancient Olympic Greek hero. Yeah, like who is this? Who is this villain? And why are you letting him hit my quarterback? That's that's Nebraska man. Like again, best fans. Like they just cheer everybody on. Like they just love football. Like hanging out, having a great time. Like if it weren't for Scott Frost and his like public crying in 1997, I think I like might be like a closet like Nebraska fan. Like God, I hope they do well this week. You know, like Scott Frost ruined it all. Yeah, he exists, so I can't get on board. I agree. Uh, let's go to the running backs here. 249 yards rushing on the day, so props to the offensive line for that statistic as well. They average five yards a carry as a group. J.J. McCarthy averaged 15 yards a carry, by the it way, helps. on that one. So that was nice. Uh, not a running back in this instance, but Corum goes for 74 and a touchdown. Uh, Donovan Edwards, 48 yards. Um, you know, just still kind of waiting to see that big Edwards game, but he's running well, and I think that you will see that coming. It's coming here for sure. I want to. I want to double down on this. Like Donovan Edwards was averaging 4.1 yards a carry with the starters. Like that number took a dramatic hit once the backups came in. He was running hard and in command, like in the first half. Like that's what I wanted to see from Donovan. Like get out of your head. Like stop worrying. Yep. And you, it was just very physical. And that's what you want to see from somebody with a big body like his. So again, I think this was a positive step forward for him. And I think we're just going to see that carry on. Like I feel like the big game is like, it's like water against the dam. Like it's going to break. It's coming. Yeah, I don't know what my concern level is for everything. We maybe do that next week at mm. the halfway mark. But my concern for Donovan Edwards is low. I'm low. still just pumped that he's getting low carries. I mean, 14 carries in this one actually seems high compared to the output. Like it didn't really seem like a 14 carry day for Edwards. It was it kind of felt like we were getting Mullings more involved, but only five carries for Mullings. They were just impactful. 43 and yards, 8.6 per carry, the breakaway touchdown. This dude is running like Haskins. I give the floor to you, sir. You were so right about Mullings. Every carry from Mullings was on third and fourth down, too. Like, and every time he got the ball, he converted. Like, I'm not going to say I was tarred and feathered in the streets over this take, but like, I got a lot of pushback on this take that like Khalil Mullings is going to be him. But even I didn't see it to this degree, the way he's running. But it's like, you can't like, overstate how important like having all those practice reps is at one position and just understanding blocking and what you have to do as a running back especially with michigan where running backs are tasked with a lot so he's running hard confidently the son haskins can like he's like he's like are, there, there's two on the nose almost but he's like super sized right. to son haskins because he has 20 pounds on him stupid that is absolutely <laughs> insane look we're getting excited about this for a reason and not just because of the hassan haskins one-to-one comparison there we needed a third back to emerge partly why i brought up benjamin hall and partly why i'm giving you yep. your due props here because i thought it would be benjamin hall and that was a lot of carryover from when we last saw Kalel mullings as a rusher yeah. as a passer elite here. one of the best on the team but i think i think the one thing i think i texted you this about the spring game is the spring game tells us 10 things and nine of them are lies like pretty mm -hmm. much every year we're going to keep that in mind but like one thing i also love with Khalil Mullins on third and fourth down in these big carry spots is the end could not crash anymore because they were too worried about jj leak it on the outside so it always left with just one less defender there for Khalil Mullins or corm or somebody to break through and that's what the threat of run has done for this offense and i think that's why michigan flashed it earlier this year than they have in previous years and speaking of earlier, Khalil Mullings coming in a little earlier in this game oh, and like yeah. being a change of pace like early on, that is not something that happens on accident. I think that is something you're going to continue to see because having two guys that can just absolutely bruise you like that, imagine what that 
does to Jim Harbaugh, like how much that warms the cockles of his heart when he sees, oh, this guy can also run through contact. This guy can also really punish your linebackers. This guy weighs 240 pounds, whatever the hell he weighs. That is a weapon that Jim Harbaugh is going to want to utilize, expect to see more of him. And it could theoretically eat into the Donovan Edwards carries. Not that that would be like a bad thing or anything, but it, it might be a thing that happens. Maybe not just like a direct one-to-one where his, you know, Edwards carries go down, Mullings carries goes up, but they're going to have to figure out a way to work him in. If you're averaging 8.6 yards a carry, I get it, small sample size, but like that's a dude. That is for sure a dude. I think it's still going to be pretty divided. Like where it's like Corum got 16, Edwards got 14. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be close to 50, 50, but I agree with you. I, I could see both of their carries coming down in order to save the tread on the yeah, tires. As Harbaugh said, pregame. So for Mullings to just get a couple more handoffs, ease the burden on them, like take less hits. Like against Iowa last year in week five, Corum had 29 carries and the week before against Maryland, he had 30 carries like in this game alone, against Nebraska, uh, Corum, Edwards, and Mullings combined for 35. Like, they are thinking about the end of the season and still eviscerating teams in the moment, and that's all you can ask for from a team like this. Chess, not checkers. All right, we got to take a quick break. We're a little bit behind schedule, so when we come back, we'll finish up the offense, move over to the defense, look around the Big Ten. We'll be back with that and more right after this. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, coming back. Uh, I don't know if we actually gave a grade to the running backs. I'm going to go A again. I'm going to be boring. Sound, sound about right to you? That's great. <laughs> so, to, to the wide receivers, uh, spoiler alert, this is going to be an A as well. When you have the play of the season, the Mikey Sainer still interceptions, still in discussion here, but I think you got to give it to the Roman catch for play of the year. Do we agree? Yeah, 100%. Like, that's a freak kind of play. I love what I saw from Cornelius Johnson in this game, too. Yeah. Like, he had a good step up on the sideline to get out, like, to get up the field. He looked fast, uh, had a great. Uh, square in around on his dig where he caught the ball like on a bullet from JJ on the flea flicker. I mean, I just thought it was a good all-around game. And let me see how many receivers caught passes. Roman, CJ, Darius, Samaj, Peyton O'Leary, Tyler Morris all caught passes in this game. Yeah, including the touchdown to O'Leary, the reemergence of Darius Clemens, your agenda. Really a great day for Andy's agenda. Hey, yeah, yours one. too. We got more on that in the defense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> agendas are still being pushed too. I mean, that's how you know we're having ourselves a season right here. All agendas are being pushed here. Uh, we already mentioned the Roman Wilson Bolitnikoff discussion. That's going to happen soon. The Cornelius Johnson apology tour continues. As far as like a second guy, a second receiver that you just love, you trust, you know, he's not going to take the top off of a defense but like would you rather have adrian errington amara darbo cornelius johnson it's errington or johnson and like we say he's not going to take a top off but that that ohio state thought the same thing so you got that 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 corner and it's like the way he rises up in big games and just like is a very good possession receiver but can also break one with like kind of deceptive speed i really like what cj is as a number two like i never loved him as a number one but with what, where Roman is now, I love CJ as a number two. 
Yeah, it's wild how sometimes you bring somebody else in and get that player to where they really belong in the hierarchy yeah. and you and you can see him shine. I think that's going to happen, continue to happen for Cornelius Johnson. Tight ends, I'll give a B plus, maybe an A minus in this game. You'd like to see more catches, but I can't really hate or knock them for that. That doesn't yeah. really make any sense here. They were outstanding as blockers and this was a great running game. So if you want to give them an A, I'm fine with that. Yeah, and A.J. Barner just keeps getting better throughout the year. Had two catches for 26 yards in this one, was the fourth leading receiver. Uh, just getting more and more comfortable in the offense. I love what they're doing with like the main three of Bredesen, Barner, and Loveland so far. And I also love that Loveland's taking very little hits this early on in the season. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, this is just such a different season in that you and I are thinking gamesmanship, the chestnut checkers, yeah. like thinking about how many hits players get. I never looked in my life at how many tackles the defense made until that week against Rutgers where I was like, God, it didn't feel like those guys had to work much. And yeah, lo and behold, they're making nobody made more than two tackles on the damn Michigan defense against Rutgers. That is wild. That is basically an off week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we can get into the defense now. Josiah Stewart led the team like with, uh, individual and assisted with five right again <laughs> it's not quite as big of an off week uh, they they had more snaps this week but you're absolutely right josiah stewart who was big 10 defensive player of the week did not see that coming like didn't even necessarily pick him as my guy that popped but yeah. two sacks in this one two sacks two tfls led the team in tackles and the first time a michigan defender has won this award since aiden hutchinson in 2021 so i think it's pretty good Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I had for who popped the most. I had this as the McGregor game, mostly yeah. because my agenda was being pushed. But I mean, he gets his hand up and uh, forces the tip pass that leads to the Kenneth Grant interception, gets him off the field on fourth down, gets his first sack of the season, was just in total command, has been great against the run all year long, like has been really stout against the run, like everyone in that front seven. But I was excited for the McGregor game. So Josiah Stewart, Braden McGregor, co players of the game for me but uh it's, anybody else well with Braden McGregor man that you talked about the, the get him off the field on fourth down how about the time he picked up the tight end and ran him into the quarterback before he could even jump over the line of scrimmage like is it like, cool he is putting it all together and like I love that he's showing up the uh the most in big fourth down moments Michigan is still yet to relent a fourth down conversion this season you love to see it and all the defensive ends are clicking now. Like McGregor and Josiah Stewart are the ones you're really waiting for him to put it together. Like kind of seen flashes from everybody else. Like this was it. And I love that they were coached this week to get their hands up and like bat down some balls. Yeah, this is the best defense we've seen in a while for forcing turnovers, like play disruption. I forget what that metric is. It might only be an NFL metric where you measure just disruptive plays. So those would be like tackles for losses, yeah. batted balls, passes broken up. We would be extremely high in that metric this year. I can tell you that just from 30,000 feet, just an extremely disruptive defense that's doing a better job at forcing turnovers, that's doing a better job imposing their will. I imagine that you're going to continue to see turnovers ticking up with how active everyone has been and mcgregor's been a big part of that so great for my agenda but even better for the team which is what we're really here for uh let's go to the yeoman's work award for supporting role or quiet excellence uh once again just i don't know where i'm coming up with these names they change week in and week out but i had mike barrett for the punched ball uh just shows up week in and week out i would say he's the hardest hitting guy on the team but there's another one we got to cover here that's entered into the fray uh mike barrett but also rayshon benny and cam good are really solid really it's, solid rotational pieces you can't tell we're missing a starting defensive tackle 
like that's and it's Mason Grant who is like playing as well as anybody in the country. Like you don't see it at all. Cam Good is playing outstanding this season. Been really impressed with his growth. Rayshon Benny just immediately fills in as well. Like awesome things from him. Chris Jenkins just continues to be Chris Jenkins, which is almost the best player on the field every time he's out there with how dominant he could be at times. Like there's so many people in the front seven you can pick. Like not all of them can pop on like a given moment, but when you go back and rewatch, it's like okay, crossed his face, crossed his face beat him, got in the backfield, made the play. It's like tic-tac-toe down the line, the way they're washing out these lines of scrimmage. It's just crazy depth, because like you mentioned there, your first point was your best point, I think, was that you just don't notice a difference. We rotate (laughs) guys in, and you know we've always rotated guys on this defensive line, but it's a little bit different this year. I'd like to look into this. It might be maybe never been this deep. It's never been this deep. That might be my next article, and that could be really good to try and further this Michigan is actually defensive line you argument because this defensive rotation, they just do not mind going eight deep on it. They do not care, and they're like, yeah, Cam Good, we trust him. We'll put him in there. Uh, it's third and three in a pivotal moment in the game. You're like, no, no, Cam Good's out there with Rayshon Benny. We're fine. It's They don't seem to care, and they trust these guys four deep at the defensive tackle room, which is, is just wild. Maybe five deep in the defensive tackle room at this point, which is, yeah, I can't say that we've ever seen that before. Um, the Alvin Mack award for biggest hit or ferocity on the field. I got to give this to a special teams play. Can I mean, we're going out of order here, but it's, it, it's, it's worthy to go out of order for this one. We got to go out of order for the Christian bovine. <laughs> I know that's not how you say it, but it's bovine in my mind, the bovine hit. Uh, on special teams, absolutely just lit up the stadium. All the Nebraska fans were oohing and on JJ's reaction while he's like mid interview. Just oh, you love to see it. I mean, just tattooed this poor kick returner, stuck and finished the tackle. I mean, JJ's running out there, Michael Barrett's running out there. I mean, that talk about a man that knows something or two about a big hit. Mm. Like, it was just incredible to see. Like, there's no notes, I have no other suggestions or nominations. Form tackling. You'd yeah. love to see it. I mean, three points of contact, head is up. Just beautiful. I loved every second of that. So that that's my winner. But the whole defense was hitting on this day. Um, the Elliot from ET Newcomer Award on defense. I didn't really have a newcomer that was tremendous, but Keon Sab continues to impress. So he's kind of my week in and week out pick for this. I think he's been the best newcomer that we see a decent amount of on the defense. Yeah, definitely the one that we see the most of. I liked uh, when I, I mean, if you kind of count Josh Wallace in this one, I thought he had a really nice game. Like, really wasn't targeted too much on this one. So, a uh, nice step up for him to continue on. So, uh, do we talk about defensive backs yet? Or we haven't gotten into that yet? We haven't got there yet. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll get to yeah. that. But yeah, Josh Wallace, nice game. Yes. Um, oh, there was just a point that I wanted to make. Oh, our uh, Jimmy Rolder stock. And we're getting into linebackers, so this is uh, this is a good time to talk about it as any. Is our Jimmy Rolder stock? T- is it time to sell, or is it? Le- or is this napping? You know, maybe just put this on hold until next season. Put, put it on ice, like something. Something's going on there. Like I don't know if it's injury or what, but like I like what I saw from Jadon Hood and some of the depth of the second stringers in this one. But it's like don't sell your Rolder stock yet because it could be battling an injury and it's not time to bail out yet. Linebackers on a whole, I have no idea how to grade. Once again, not given a ton to do on this day. From what I saw, the linebackers looked really good. Um, I have not finished my rewatch yet. Um, full, I have, full disclosure here. I'm halfway yeah. through. I've I've watched uh, I've watched twice, but I really haven't focused on them yet. It's um, but I mean, again, if you're shutting down the run, like the linebackers probably played pretty well. 
Like that's just kind of the way it is. You might ask more in coverage or certain things like that. But in terms of like run fits and filling gaps, what they're supposed to do, you could really see the difference later in the game when the third and fourth stringers were in and gave up that big run because they were not filling the holes. The line was getting pushed around a lot too. So it's like the starters though, the big three, the Houseman revenge game were tremendous in this one, I thought. Yeah, they were awesome. Bigger picture here. It's going to be wild to look at this at the end of the year where we did our season stats predictions. And I think you and I were like 110 or something like that for Junior Colson and projected. Close. It is not going to be close. He had three tackles in this one, and that's great. We didn't need him to be flying around the field. It's also better for the defense as a whole that way more is getting swallowed up by defensive tackles, defensive ends. It's not even getting to the linebackers. So we were way wrong on that stats prediction. I mean, this is going to be low tackles around the board. I think it's going to be kind of low stats around the board for this defense for everything except for the one that matters most, scoring. A hundred percent, man. The way to look at this season is like we're in the regular season right now. Week 10, the postseason starts like Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State, Big Ten Championship, possibly college football playoff. That's the playoff run. It starts in week 10. So right now we're in regular season ball, just like getting through it, being healthy and preparing for them. I I would not be shocked. I mean, from week 10 on, though, it's going to be no snap counts know anything if quorum's cooking you could see 30 carries again but that's what they're prepping them for that's the mm-hmm. chess move and like when you have a team coming back with this many pieces that's proven that they can get there you have that sensibility it's not like maryland who's five and oh right now nobody's taking serious because they've never proven that they can sustain that for an entire year maryland michigan went undefeated last year they haven't lost a conference game since michigan state two years ago like you have that built in you watch your tongue about Maryland around here. We <laughs> I knew were... it was coming. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. We'll get there a little bit later. Uh, all right, let's keep pushing through the defense here. Secondary, kind of similar to the linebackers. What's their negative to say? I'll give it an A minus. There was the Quentin Johnson miss slash the whole defense missing on the touchdown, which we can discuss here about how annoying that is for statistic reasons. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely awesome. gonna, I'm going to go lower here. Like the secondary okay. is too talented to be giving up 199 passing yards to Henrik Harburg. Like, way too talented to do that. Like, I know it's the bend, don't break. It's give him cushions. But, like, no receiver in college football needs an 11-yard cushion from Will Johnson. I'm I'm sorry. I trust how fast you are. Like, it just felt like a sleepy performance from them. Like, they knew the scouting report. Like, I'm not too worried about it. But I want to see them a little more locked in and engaged in these games because you're going to get tested. We're going to need this secondary to step up. And I'd like them to find some more quality reps, bat down some more balls. And I'm, I'm sure when they see the tape on this, especially Will Johnson, knowing the kind of competitor he is, like, he's going to want to make improvements. And once Rod Moore is back up in the secondary as well and has his sea legs underneath him, I think we'll see this whole group elevate to a uh, good call and yeah i mean you got to call them out we're nitpicking here but 100%. this is actually this is a worthy nitpick so i'm glad that you called this one out because i said last week like this is a ferrari that's just sitting in the garage well this was like a ferrari that you took out around the track with a bunch of tauruses and like one guy had a saturn and like yeah they're just like kind of cruising around like yeah we could smoke these guys at any moment but like their buddies over there, like at the hot dog stand, hitting on the on the the, the chicks and stuff. So they're just like, all right, I'm just kind of here for my buddy. Like they're there to let the D line shine. They're not there to like race this Ferrari around with a bunch of tortoises and stuff. But eventually, they're going to need to open that thing up, and we're going to need to see what they're made of. And that might be good for a little tuning up, to be yeah. honest, to, to challenge the secondary. I think that's what's going to be good about Michigan State here in a few weeks because Michigan State loves to throw 50-50 balls. They don't really have an accurate passer. So I think it's a nice game for them to really get their feet wet. So I think the Spartans will like 
they're known to do that. They're going to throw some ones up there and have their guys try to make a play like we saw it last season with Keon Coleman. Now, they don't have one of the best jump ball receivers in college football anymore, but I still think we're going to see Jay Johnson's offense throw a couple of those. I think that will be one of the first first times they can get tested. Yeah, I mean, if, while we're on the secondary here, there's no way around it. This is probably going to end up being a little bit more of a underwhelming, I would say, secondary season than I was expecting with Will Johnson, Rod Moore, Mikey Sainer still. What we had coming back, I was expecting to just, I mean, with a lot of that's injuries, a lot of that's who we've gone up against, the fact that we're saving these guys for later in the year. But those guys still, like you mentioned, will be called upon later in the season. It's coming. Michigan State, it's coming. Penn State, obviously, is the big one. But yeah, it, it would be nice to see a little bit more from him. I do agree there. We say it's underwhelming until like Will Johnson holds uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. to like four catches and 30 yards. And then that's all we're going to talk about because that's all we remember. So yeah, yep. the, the story of this season is yet to be written. Completely agree. Uh, we saved the best for last. The D-line, you know they're getting another A. If you would have told me before the season that Kenneth Grant and Chris Jenkins had interceptions before Rod Moore or Will Johnson, I'd tell you, I'd tell you to quit huffing gasoline, but here we are. <laughs> it's nuts man they play so well uh, again no fourth down conversions given up the starters uh held the number one of the number one or number two rushing offense in college football to 32 yards just block destruction everything you want to see from a group they are so physical on the interior just overwhelming people and one thing i don't think we talk about enough like do you remember in like 2018 2017 2019 like when michigan teams would always play early in the season everybody would cramp like every few plays, someone's laying on the field cramping at the beginning of the season. It was a hundred degrees there. And like in windy conditions, nobody cramped. Everyone played well. I love the rotation of bodies. I think the depth has something to do with it, but just like all around, man, playing that physical and that hard and that heat, like when you're not used to it, it was very impressive. That is a great call out. And these are the little things that are very easy to forget, but hundred percent great call out on that one. Uh, yeah. The D line continues to be the best unit on this team. Yep. And they're dominating games from start to finish the best in the country. There's going to be a lot of discussions. I can't wait to have them later on uh, about where this defensive line ranks in um, amongst Michigan greats. There's been some great ones that have come through here. We talked about the four edges that we really like. And while no one has really separated and I couldn't give you a definitive ranking there, the depth is incredible at the, at the ends as well as at the tackles. So I just expect them to continue to be the the dominant unit for this team and the dominant unit in the Big Ten. It's not like last year when it was like Mike Morris and the boys and like Yabi Yoki would occasionally do something. It's like everyone is like into that Mike Morris role now. It's like a true rotation, like a rotation because you have the talent, not a rotation because you don't have a standout. Like all these guys stand out at different times. I think there's a big distinction between it this year compared to last year. Yeah, if you put a gun to my head and said rank the four in order, you're probably gonna have to pull that trigger because I just I'm gonna sh I'm gonna struggle the whole time. No way, man! Like there's just like, it depends like depends on the week. Like that's what it's kind of like at yeah. this point, right? Because Josiah Stewart just entered the conversation. I would have been like, all right, well he's at four. Now I have no idea. I no. have no idea. And like Harold should have had a sack in this one, to be honest. Like Harold was working for that sack. Dude, it was his, so close. Almost forced to fumble on it, too. His speed rush this year has taken off. Like when he lines up in that wide nine outside of the tight end and takes off, like it's like, oh, oh, there's different there. And I mean, um, Braden McGregor, same thing. So Mike Elston doing a lot of magic work with that room. Yeah, I will say, though, yeah, if we're going to say best pro, give me Harold and Moore for best pro yeah. prospects. Um, but guy that could pop second half of the season, 
give me McGregor. I'm still, I'm riding the McGregor. You should. Thing. You shouldn't back yeah. out now. <laughs> you think I'm backing down now? This this train has left the station. I'm up in coach. Feet kicked up on the table. Got a full tank of gas in this thing. Now we're going. Pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Let's go. Oh man. Uh, special teams. We start with who popped the most. We already mentioned the Christian Bovin hit, um, just resonated through all of Nebraska. I'm pretty sure that killed a local farmer's crops. That was absolutely incredible. We'll be keeping an eye on him. What year is he? Do you know that you're the almanac? Uh, I think he's he's a second or third year player. I'm pretty sure. Okay. That's fine. I threw that on you, but that was exciting. This is how you make your name. If you show up on special teams, that's how you start leaking into games. And then before you know it, you can make a name for yourself. So be interesting to keep an eye on his career. James Turner in this one. Uh, what do you have? A 30 yarder. And... Yeah. In, uh, in the wind, yeah. which is no small feat. Wind. Only person to attempt to kick in or field goal in this game. So that's no small feat. Yep. Uh, Tommy Doman currently at 41 yards per punt. Uh, we're at no, no, 47 now. We're at 47 yards. 65 yard nuke in this one that the wind carried. That was a missile. <laughs> yeah, that certainly helps the case. Uh, look, Doman, like the numbers aren't going to blow you away compared to some other people, but you and I love Doman. Just like the air under it, consistent. Like, yep. I don't care about the depth. Like, Michigan's never really kicking from that far, so you're never really going to see those big ones. Like. My God, though, the hang time on these punts. I need that as a stat on here. Like, just give me average hang time because the dome will be towards the top of the country. Yes, 100%. Are we getting any closer to knowing who our punt returner is? No, we're not. No, <laughs> like, it's still between Jake Thaw and Tyler Morris. Uh, Morris misjudged one because of the wind. I anticipate that yeah, not happening no. again. Yep. Like, it's it's a it's a freshman or kind of like, I mean, I should say a rookie mistake because he's a rookie punt returner. A rookie mistake there. He'll he'll overcome that. He still made the most of it. Sometimes when things are going your way, they're really going your way. So that was nice to see him recover and turn that into something. But no, man, still hotly contested between he and Thaw. The Thaw agendas, it's on its last leg, but it's there. It's on life support, but it's it's still getting the feeding tube. Still, he fielded one nicely. So it's like, I will say the one good thing about the punt return room is we're not seeing balls hit the ground anymore. Yeah, yeah, and that one that hit the ground, like you said, I didn't actually hold that against him. Like, tough day it's, for the yeah. kicking game and that kind of wind, and all things really were yeah. executed fairly yeah, well, all things considered. So, um, yeah, special teams, uh, a better day. So I'll give special teams on a whole uh, a B. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Sounds great. These are the most <laughs> arbitrary grades. That uh, also, like. Christian Bovine Jr., so I had it right. Let's go. Okay, all right. Well, you know, maybe you can stick around a little bit. Uh, looks, How big is he? Christian Bovine is six feet, two twenty. He's a linebacker. All right. You can he let us in tackles against UNLV, I think. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Cause I was like, do you know who this person is? So, I mean, that's now twice we've mentioned him on this podcast. Might be a dude. Might, Might I be would a dude. Love it. If he's a dude, he's got a pretty strong mustache in this and a good hairline. So I like him. That and the last name of Bovine. There's some cow related nicknames we could come up with. So that really opens up a whole vein of nicknames we Andy's, can work with. And he's from Traverse City, the land of Ryan Hayes. So I love to see that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do enjoy that. Traverse City, great place to spend a weekend in the summer. Beautiful place. Beautiful town in the fall. Yeah, I love it. Uh, shall we look around the Big Ten, sir? Let us. I'd love to look around the Big Ten. Pretty good Big Ten weekend, despite what we thought it would be coming in. Thought it'd be pretty quiet, but overall, I enjoyed what I watched. A lot of these games were decided uh, second half, as you'll see with the better teams, particularly Penn State Northwestern. 
typical contender type game where like when I texted you, I'm like, oh, hang on now. Northwestern, a little frisky here. They're able to lean on them in the second half, which they've been able to do now against pretty much all their opponents, which to me is the mark of a good team. That means Penn State is a good team as much as you and I might not believe in James Franklin. They've improved on both lines. Jury is still out on how good this offensive line is, was kind of oh, my yeah. takeaway. Because I'm like, that's where I'm focused at at this point. When I watch them, I'm watching Fashion U, the left tackle, who appears to be really good in um, offense or excuse me, in pass blocking sets, like the, the majority of their line in pass yeah. blocking sets. I was like pretty impressed. But when it comes to run blocking, I saw communication issues. So as talented as they are, as good as their running back should be. Uh, yeah, I still have questions about Penn State was my takeaway here. They're just not running the ball well this year. It's why I can't buy into Penn State too much. Like against Northwestern, uh, Nick Singleton averaged 3.8 yards a carry. Catron Allen, 4.5 on six carries. Like this isn't the team from last year. They're not operating the same capacity at all. And I agree with you. Like there are some issues there. Uh, Drew Aller, captain checkdown, is currently 86 out of 100 qualified passers in the country in terms of yards per attempt at 6.9. The same as Gavin Wimsett from Rutgers. Do with that what you will. But it's just not the not the big explosive offense you think when you hear about it. I mean, sure, it looks cute when you bring a backup in with two minutes and 20 seconds and kind of do a little Ooh. cute fake RPO. I might be kneeling down. I might not because we got to run up the score, but we're not really running up the score. It's just our offense. Like when you do shit like that, getting fired up. It's, it's, it's a little silly, and that's why I can't buy into Penn State of being in the top tier. But, I mean, it still doesn't take away from the fact that there are 22 undefeated teams in the country remaining and four of them play in the Big Ten East. Well said, a lot to take away there. And yeah, so long as James Franklin is the head coach, I'm not going to buy in, buy in. I no. can tell you that much, tell you that much right now, whether or not that last touchdown was Bush league or not. I know Penn state fans are going to defend it. I'm probably more in your camp where that certainly seemed shady and like running up the score. I also get the defense that this is going to come down to voting, but look, you play Michigan and Ohio state. It's not really going to come down to voting in the Big points. Ten. Don't like if you go undefeated yeah. as a power five team, you are a hundred percent guaranteed historically to make the playoff. Winning is all that matters. It is, but I also would get the point that Ohio State backed in as a one-loss non-conference champion last year. And like, if Penn State is hoping to back their way in and say Michigan's their only loss, then maybe that comes up. So I see both sides of it. Sounds like a loser's mentality. Time, <laughs> well, if it's James Franklin's mentality, then there we go. Probably built in. So. I'm, I'm not sold on him anyway. I, I think we'll dominate the line of scrimmage. So for whatever it's worth. And also, I mean, our boy Jimbo, shout out to him. Uh, he's been on this all season long about Drew Alar just not really being able to push the ball down the field. So oh. uh, this was my first time watching Penn State, like actually focusing on them. So I just wanted to give some, give my thoughts on him now that I've actually been able to watch. Chop Robinson, really good at football, though. Uh, so is Abdul Carter, linebacker on that team. We already know about Kalen Kings. They, like Michigan, they have a star or two at every level. So that defense is still very serviceable, no matter what concerns we've just like voiced about the offense. Yes. Um, Iowa, we will no longer be able to have quite as much fun with Iowa as we've been having. I mean, we had a whole 30-minute roast session about them. Cade McNamara, 
out for the year with a leg injury. Hate to see that. And not just because we want to like continue to rip on him. Like I don't wish in and what I don't wish injury on anybody. No, no. So uh, certainly sad to hear that. But honestly, Iowa's offense might get a little bit of an uptick in production. Um, they they looked a little bit better uh, against Michigan State in the second half. But this was the Cooper DeGene game. You and I both love Cooper DeGene. Just like great name, plays cornerback sauce. He's so um, good. Yeah. He's, he's so, so good, man. He is so good. I mean, the Big Ten is loaded with corners. He's tremendous. Really single-handedly kind of won this game for them against Michigan State. So, big win, a night game at Kinnick. They really needed it. Came down to the wire against Michigan State, but they got the win, and that's all that matters. Yep, I'm with you there. Uh, Maryland moves to 5-0. and Should be ranked, not ranked, despite LSU at two losses currently being ranked. No. Jake Butt agrees with me on this. Do you think Maryland should be ranked at 5-0? and yeah, of course. I mean, you're five and zero, but it's just it's the it's too much history trickling in. Same reason Georgia's like firmly at number one still because of the last two years. Like Maryland's done this, and I think people got like tricked by it a few years ago and like had the momentum heading into October, and they just got smoked by Iowa and I believe two of his little brother threw five picks. So I think if they, man, I can't say they're gonna like lose to Ohio State admirably and then get ranked. That would be really weird. But like, right. I mean, stupider things have happened. Has happened. Twenty five, yeah. yeah. But I think at five and zero, oh, they should be ranked. Like two loss LSU above them. Like, come on. Yeah, and I mean, if I were Ohio State, I'd be a little upset about it too because there's just not many opportunities for ranked wins on our schedule through no fault of ours or Ohio State's. We have very similar schedules playing in the same conference. And yeah, it'd be nice to have a ranked Maryland in here for just another chance at a ranked win. They should be ranked. I totally agree with you. Um, they're playing well too. I mean, this is very similar to what we've seen of Maryland teams of the last couple years. I think that they're they have a competent head coach and they have a competent quarterback. That means you can win some games. And I think it's going to be an annoying game for us. I mean, they have what I think in my totally made up nonsensical list of things you need to upset a top 20 team or a top five team. Even they have a lot of those. They have a good quarterback and they can play some semblance of defense. So I'd keep an eye on Maryland. I don't think this will be an easy out for Ohio State. Let's get a prediction on that one, by the way, while we're here. What was the what was look at the score last year? I know it was a close game. We were actually together when they played, I believe. Yeah, this is not our mid bowl though. That's coming up. I don't know what the two spread weeks. on it is either. Yeah, two weeks till the mid bowl, baby. Let's go. Um, yeah, I don't last know season, is, but... Ohio State beat Maryland at Maryland forty three to thirty. Spread on the game forty three to thirty with CJ Stroud. CJ yep. Stroud's looking pretty good. Maybe CJ Stroud was a really good quarterback this whole time. Crazy what happens when you, get, when you get a good Michigan receiver to play with you. Yeah, if it were at Maryland, not that Maryland's overly difficult to play at, but the shoe is a tough place to play. Uh, Ohio State's favored that. by 19 and a half. Take the cover. Take the cover. It was 13 last year. This is a worse Ohio State team. I think it's a worse Maryland team in the trenches, and I think it's going to get exploited a little bit in this one. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to take the cover, though, but I'm going to take Ohio State by two touchdowns. On my deathbed, I will whisper to you, respect Maryland. <laughs> Tal- Talia's a good quarterback. Like, shut up, Jared. <laughs> just die. He ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, not just like a tepid endorsement. Yes, yeah, not, like not, not even fully on board as I'm dying. My last breath. Yeah, that's where we're at. It's like, <laughs> go back and rewatch Purdue. <laughs> He really flashes against Northwestern. (laughs) 
Oh, man. Um, well, that'll be a fascinating one. Definitely, I will have eyes on that, even if uh, the eyes of the nation won't necessarily be down there. A uh, quick look around college football before we finish with a little segment on Michigan State. Uh, Utah goes down to Oregon State on Friday night. I think we said to watch out for that until they got their quarterback back. Uh, USC at Colorado. We got right in that Colorado covered in a shootout. We also were correct in covering the spread this week with Michigan. So this was our best week predicting um, Notre Dame versus Duke LSU versus Ole Miss uh, punting excellence in both. And uh, I think we were a little wrong on LSU. That was what I had written down here uh, that, that way too much to give up to Ole Miss for them to be a real contender. A hundred percent. It looks like LSU talk about a team like buying too much into their own hype, which a lot of people worried about Michigan. It seems like LSU has really done that. Like after the loss, they got yeah. some momentum. Like they, they should have won this game. They had multiple chances to win this game. And they still squandered it in the end. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, exciting game though. I think there was well over a hundred points in that one. We were over a thousand yards. It's just a big wild game. To watch. Yeah. Goodness gracious. So yeah, we were wrong about LSU as much as we're touting all the things we were right about this year. We were not right about that. Uh, so Michigan state head coaching search, there was a lot going on on Twitter this week about it. And I saw a lot of Michigan state people saying like, this is very clearly a top 25 job. Then I saw it was a top 20 job. And then I saw pushback that it wasn't a top 50. So it just got me thinking. And I was like, what are the top 25 jobs? So you and I are going to do our very best, very quick off the cuff rankings of the top 25 jobs in college football. Uh, some of this is based on facility quality, um, the amount that the coaches are getting paid. Um, didn't really factor into it as much because the Mel Tucker contract was an outlier. I'm not positive the next guy's getting that, yeah. uh, particularly with what happened there. So we're not talking too much about how much they pay, but more how much money they have available at the program. Yeah. And so just big picture stuff here. Do you want to start? bottom and go to the top i think it kind of makes more sense to go top to bottom though yeah go fire them off to me man i haven't seen the list yet all right so at the top you could change these around a little bit but i feel like the top eight to a 12 are pretty unassailable i've got it at usc georgia texas alabama clemson ohio state top six how's that sound yeah, it's good. I, I would definitely have a Southern school in the top spot, either a Texas or a Georgia, just because football is always going to be king. And in L.A., it's just kind of second eight. So, yeah, whatever. OK, yeah, that's fine. And the only reason I put USC above Georgia and Texas, Texas is the boosters like it's got to be a pain in the ass to deal with that there. And there's so many hands like in the kitchen, cooks in the kitchen or whatever, trying to tell you how to run your program. So I don't know if that would be appealing to everybody. So let's go Georgia one, Texas, then USC. OK, that works. Yeah, it's got it's got to be a southern one. Bama's got to be up there as well, especially with the pedigree Nick Saban's just built. But again, you don't want to follow Nick Saban, so I think you might knock it down a few. Right, and you have to live in Alabama. So I had True. Alabama at four because you have to live in Alabama. But yeah, you could make an argument to move Alabama above USC. But for now, USC, Alabama, Clemson still at five. South Carolina, uh, pedigree commitment. That might be a little high. A little high for it's you just for a Clemson? recent pedigree. I think LSU is a better job than Clemson. Interesting. Okay, so we're going to knock Clemson down. Uh, maybe Texas A&M here? Tech, yeah, this is this is firmly Texas A&M, LSU, Ohio State, Michigan kind of territory. This is where yeah, we're I've at. Got Michi I've got Michigan currently at eight, but it, there, it feels like there should be one that's like 
head and shoulders above the others here. So I would put AM above LSU. Yeah. LSU like puts a lot of money into their football program, but like the rest of everything that like they don't have money for anything else. Like it's okay. just football. I mean, women's basketball just won a national championship. Livy Dunn makes like $5 million a year. Baseball's nationally ranked. I'm talking university, like not like the the program, like their, their facilities just like around campus and stuff. I don't know, man. They still have three national titles since 2000. Yeah, yeah, you do. But their when's, library. When's the last time A&M finished in the top five? That's true. Their library doesn't have a roof. <laughs> Could be an issue. Um. Florida Gators, probably all Florida, Florida State teams probably going to be in this area as well, just south and the way Florida is for football and recruiting. I had Florida down a little bit. Yeah. I had Florida down a little bit. They have the hardest schedule I've ever seen next year. Oh, Michigan's up there too. We have Texas, USC, and UCLA now in the new big in the new Big Ten. I'm also taking into account patience of the administration. So like patience. So, so let's put Texas A&M at five because okay. the, the commitment to Jimbo Fisher, the commitment to facilities, recruiting pedigree, you're in the South. Um, and you know, they've given Jimbo Fisher this year, which some people thought he should have been fired before this year. So I would yeah, say I that that checks a lot of boxes. A&M is also pretty sneaky good this year. Like, I don't know if you've watched them yet. They're four and one. And I think I they're top 10 in the S in the S and P poll. Like, uh, keep an eye on AM this weekend against Alabama. Yeah. But yeah. Um, no, I think, um, no, I think that's a good spot for them. All right. So then you want to put LSU at six. Yep. Um, so then you want to put Ohio State here. I mean, uh, regrettably so, but yes. Okay. And then we can't put Michigan too far below that for my own sanity. So let's put Michigan there. It's got to be. Then like we got to, got to get Florida State or Miami in here. I was going to say Clemson here, but um, I have Florida State right here as well. Yeah. Um, arguments here for Oregon. Oregon with money, with uh, the access to great recruits, maybe not, but you can pull from California, and they've had no problems now. We're going on almost two decades of them being able to pull recruits. Yeah, I think they got to be the second uh, formally Pac-12 school listed for sure. Okay, so we'll go Oregon here. So we've got Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Oregon. Now you want to go Florida State? Has to, has to. I would probably go Florida State over Oregon just because of the history, the recruiting in Tallahassee. Like uh, facilities there are incredible. I, yeah, I don't know much about their like workout facilities and stuff, but their Not stadiums. Are, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we'll go FSU, Oregon. Okay. And then um, oh, now we're gonna have get into we're getting into Miami, UF. Um, yep. Penn State, Florida Penn just State. like Florida's not easy to win. Like if nope. you come in there right now, like I'm also taking into account for these jobs, like coming in and being able to win immediately. Yeah. Like that would be a tough, whoever comes in there has got a, a uphill battle there. Yeah. So I've got um, Notre Dame here is who I Ooh, originally yeah, had. God. Yeah, man, that might even be too low, which is nuts. Like this is so hard to do here with these it's teams, tough. but I this know. is, this is to your point though of like, when people are talking about what Michigan state's job is like, we haven't even talked about teams like Oklahoma or Tennessee. Like exactly 100%. You're getting to the point of why yeah. I started to make this. I was like, you say top 25, but we're at 12 and we're at Notre Dame. I know. You know? And it's like, like this, this, this list is, yeah. I mean, just out of control. Like you could put Notre Dame at two in some lists and have a, like a plausible argument with the support, not being in a conference, uh, the NBC deal, all that stuff. Like there's arguments all over the place for these teams. And now it's like, so we're, we're at Notre Dame, and that we haven't mentioned Tennessee, Oklahoma, Washington, UCLA, like Penn State, Penn State, yeah, oh god, Penn State. Mm -hmm. um, 
even like Virginia Tech. Like you and I are old enough to remember when Virginia Tech was a perennial powerhouse with Frank Beamer. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So um, we don't have to finish this. We don't have to like get it exactly in order. But like, so let's get a top 15 that we like, and then we'll just rattle off schools that we would have ahead of Michigan State. Okay. So Notre Dame at 12. And then next. Um, Miami has to be up here. The U has Miami's, to be high. Miami's facilities are not great, though. Not yeah. great. Not as not as easy of a place to win as you might think. Like Penn State's facilities blow them away. I, is, I'd put Penn State here. Is there a more fun place to win though than Miami? Can you like? Is this a sneaky job that like no one In wants? A while. De- is this a sneaky job no one wants Deion Sanders to get? Yes, it definitely is. It definitely is. But also, like they have to take a bus to their practice facilities. Yeah, like it's it's not a great setup. There. You do but live in Miami, though. You do live in Miami, but like at the at some point, like having the right equipment and stuff to work out on is also important. Okay, and so we'll like, go Penn State above them. Yeah, I, I gotta have Penn State then above them. I gotta go. have like Tennessee or something where you're like you're committed. I mean, Florida, we still are pushing down Florida here, and Oklahoma. Uh, I, Oklahoma should be up here. Oklahoma yeah. should be here. Okay, and then I'm fine with Florida. Um, where did we put Clemson? We put Clemson up there in between so, yeah. Michigan and Florida State. So we got yeah. them. So here's our top 15. Georgia, Texas, USC, Bama, Texas A&M, LSU, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Florida State, Oregon, Notre Dame, Penn State, Oklahoma, Florida. Like, I hate this list and I help put it together. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, like somebody's going to hate this list yeah, because, it, like, it's tough. Yeah, and there's no definitive order. You can go through a bunch of other reasons. Like we can talk about the schools now that we didn't put in. Like, how about Auburn? We yeah. didn't even mention Auburn. Jesus, Auburn, Tennessee, Wisconsin, uh, Washington, UCLA, UCLA, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Any school like in the Southern SEC, like football is religion there. So like you're always going to have the benefit of the doubt. Okay, so let me throw you a couple like. If or which would you prefer, I guess, would be the way to do this. Would you rather have Texas Tech or Michigan State? Michigan State. Okay. Would you rather have Nebraska or Michigan State? Nebraska. Okay. Would you rather have Duke or Michigan State? Michigan State. I agree. That was a very intentional one there. Um, How about TCU or Michigan State? Michigan State, but I mean, TCU's recent prowess does give you, I mean, and being in Texas, that's not a bad job. I think those are similar. I think that's a good comp. Yeah, I think it's very similar. Like you're still getting a lot of good recruit. TCU has been good for the better part of the 2000s. Like you're always Mm -hmm. competing. They continue to move up. Um, Washington, North Carolina, North Carolina or Michigan State because North Carolina currently trending up good facilities, beautiful campus, pay their coach well. Yep. It's that's I would probably still go Michigan State because although you could feel like number two to Michigan State basketball, no matter what, you were number two to North Carolina basketball at all times. Mm, that's a good point. Um, Oklahoma State, Michigan State. Okay, who is cool. that's it's with? that that one's tight. Yeah, yeah. That one's that's, tight. That's where we're at, is we're in that tier, I think. Washington or Michigan State. Washington, no question. You love Washington, though. It's beautiful out there. <laughs> like everything that, else. That campus is dope. That stadium yeah. is loud. The facilities are great. You got to pay them well to live in Seattle. Uh, yeah, UVA, I, I Virginia, or Michigan State? Michigan State. Arizona or Michigan State? 
Arizona, actually. Ooh, yeah. You and I got our eyes on Jed Fish and what he's building down there. Not this year, but like they're going to surprise some people. Um, Wisconsin or Michigan State? Wisconsin. Iowa or Michigan State? Iowa's one I had put on here at, with a big question mark on it because like loyalty, they will certainly pay you and be loyal to you for a long period of time. They'll let you bring their, your son in there and do whatever he wants. They don't I care. Think, I think Iowa is sneakily one of the best jobs in the country. Like that's one it of my hottest so takes. Chill. Like it is ch- not just chill. It's like the recruits you get out of Iowa. I think Iowa is such a football gold mine and you're already just like, you're the man. You are the man. Yeah. Like kid, like generationally kids are always going to Iowa. You look at like NFL rosters and like you see the teams of like Bama's, Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan players. Iowa is firmly in the top 10 every time with like active yeah. players in the NFL. Look, if you go, eight and five they're gonna just like hold you up on their shoulders and parade you through the town yeah like eight wins yes he is a god like yeah of course that is a very chill job you you are a god in iowa everyone knows who you are um you got a lot of farmers that got your back they control the flow of food in this country commerce is important (laughs) commerce is important good to have those people on your side yeah a low key job, a good job. And I would take Iowa, Wisconsin, and Nebraska over Michigan State. This, I removed all bias for this, by oh, the way. Yeah. I am not, I'm not even trying to dump on Michigan State in this. I was trying to actually get to what jobs would I take above Michigan State. Look, you offered me 98 million. Uh, I'm coming. So I'm, I'm much like uh, <laughs> Mel Tucker like was too. But <laughs> <laughs> like the previous coach, Tuck was coming sometimes prematurely, but you know, he's oh. gone now. <laughs> Goodness gracious. And on that note, that's about as good a note to end this one as we're going to get. We got another podcast coming for you later this week where we will be breaking down the Minnesota matchup. So stay tuned for that. Please like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't left us a five-star review, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, Would love to hear from you too. Get at us on Twitter at Maze and Brew, at JStorm303, at UMAndrewB. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.